Hey everyone, welcome to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast. Pastor Aaron here. Today's message is the final sermon that we have recorded at our MacArthur location. If you're unaware, we have purchased a new facility at 1425 North 6th Street in Springfield, Illinois. So over the next couple of weeks, we are taking time to move over all of our church equipment, all of our production equipment that we use to make these podcasts, and we look forward to resuming them at the beginning of March. Thanks for your patience and enjoy today's message. So I always love it when a plan comes together. I, I'm a planner and and uh, my wife and I, we do devotions together in the morning every day and today was no exception. Uh, she had a really, uh, we had a really good devotional together out of Joshua 1. I read uh, a devotional uh, out of Luther's, Martin Luther's works and um, I'll just share part of that with you because all of this is relevant today's message that I want to share with you. So Philippians 4.13, that may not mean anything to you, but Philippians 4.13 is my life verse. If you don't have a life verse, I'd encourage you to get a life verse, that verse that you just anchor your soul to. And uh, mine, I don't think has really changed much over the last 30 years of ministry. But Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because before I knew Christ, I used to think I could do all things. I mean, that's the mantra of the world. You can do it, you know? And so I, I bought into that, but then I realized I can do all things through Christ. And that was my devotional today. I'll spare you the time. I won't read that to you. I was going to, but we're, we're running short on time. I'll hear a little bit. So let me, uh, I do want to share with you part of Cheryl and my devotion from this morning because it's from Joshua and I'm preaching on a Joshua today. In fact, remember these, these 12 stones, either the tw- represent the 12 stones that the tribes of Israel brought through the Jordan River. These will be our cornerstone at our new facility. So they're going with us as we go and we cross the Jordan. So that's kind of super fun. And on this day that I'm speaking on that, the verse in devotions was John 1, uh, Joshua 1, 9, be strong and take courage. Knowing the battles that he would have to fight in order to conquer the promised land, God told Joshua no less than three times in that chapter to be strong and take courage. Anytime we move forward, obstacles will block our path. Count on it. What on earth would a man do with himself if something didn't stand in his way? What did he mean? The adversity, and this is really a, a, this is a switch you have to flip in your head. Adversity is your friend, even when it feels like your enemy. And this is the devotional on top of what I'm about to preach to you. Every obstacle you face reveals your strengths and your weaknesses. So it gives you an opportunity to get stronger. It also shapes you and makes you wiser and more confident. The poet Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, whatever you do, you need courage. Whatever courage you decide upon, whatever course you decide upon, there will always be someone who tell you that you can't do it. There will always be difficulties arising that tempt you to believe your critics. To map out a course of action and follow it to an end requires some of the same courage that a soldier needs. Peace has its victories, but it takes brave men and women to win the victories. Anytime you leave your comfort zone and step out in faith to follow God, you will be tested but you'll also reach heights you thought you never could reach. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul writes, every detail 
works to your advantage. So we're not giving up. How could we? Courage and faith in action can be defined as simply not giving up. So those were my devotionals, my two devotionals this morning as I'm getting ready, high off of yesterday's great victory, moving and painting and and growth track graduation today. Um, And to talk to you uh, uh, really as a fireside chat, right? I mean, no fancy lights, no fancy background, no television cameras. We're not streaming anything. I'm not going to be done at a certain time. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I talked out about Isaiah 58, 12. It says, your people will rebuild ancient ruins and will raise up age-old foundations. This is our cornerstone scripture at our new location. We'll raise up age-old foundations and you will be called to repair of broken walls. So today, <clears throat> we only have a few Sundays left. Next Sunday is the 6th, then the 13th, and then our last Sunday. The 20th will be our last Sunday. We're calling it Family Sunday. I, I, I'm still debating on whether or not to take the chairs the week before and have you bring a lawn chair, but we may still have <laughs> at least a few chairs here for you. And, uh, but everything from that wall on back will be absolutely gone. So there's no children's church, there's no nursery, all that has to come out and go and move so we can be there ready on the 27th. As Ryan discussed, that's our soft grand opening. Because the next Sunday, which is the first Sunday in March, we are inviting people to come. And so our prayer is that it all is ready to go, right? We can't change the date. Oh, pastor, we got to push that back a month. Not going to happen, right? When a woman gets pregnant, when a woman gets pregnant and there starts to be labor pains, you don't get a, hey, hey, time out. We should really push this whole thing back a month. Let's make it 10 months, not nine months. No, when labor pains start, that's it. And let me tell you what, we're having contractions right now as we speak, right? So it's going to be March 6th. That's when we're inviting our friends and our family and everybody to come. My entire family's coming from Kentucky, from Indiana, And so invite your family, your friends. It's going to be a great, great day of celebration on the first Sunday in March. And to get ready for that, of course, we have our first impressions team meeting today. So I'd like you to consider this this man, Joshua, just for a couple minutes. And I'm just kidding you. I do have a clock up here. It's right here. So just, just, I do know what time it is. I don't need anybody in the back doing one of those in just a few minutes. Okay. Joshua chapter three, let's start there. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out and they went from Jordan where they'd been camped before crossing over. And after three days, look at that. After three days, the officers then went through the camp and told them to start getting ready. Well, why didn't they go right away? Well, it's because sometimes you have to wait, right? I don't like waiting. Nick and Libby are getting married soon, but they gotta wait. We got to wait, like for ketchup. Oh <laughs> Cheryl and I waited. We, I, I knew Cheryl for seven years before we got married. We dated for a, well, on and off for a good four. Well, yeah. <laughs> Time flies. One of the worst things I hate waiting for is a green light. Sitting at a red light all day long, it seems like. 
And the temptation that overwhelms me when I look around, I see no one else at the intersection. And I look in my rearview mirror, and there's nobody behind me. It's like, God, I'm wasting my life here. I have things to do. For me, for me, waiting just may be the hardest discipline in a Christian life. You know, the Bible calls that patience, and it's a fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) Patience, listen, is not simply the ability to wait. It's how you behave while you're waiting. That's patience. That's why I like to think of waiting as passive persistence. Because I'm still leaning into, I'm not, I'm not going, you know, I'm leaning into the gas pedal. I'm just not, you know, true confession. Do you ever watch the light on the side go from, from green to yellow? And you start slow rolling just a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. And then you don't know, but the other side gets a green arrow first. And then you're like, and you got your nose all the way out of the intersection and you feel really stupid. The Bible calls it patience. I think most of us would rather do anything than wait. Do the wrong thing rather than wait regularly. But God oftentimes makes his people wait. We've been at this Benedictine Earthland Academy thing for a long time. Three, three and a half years. Waiting, creeping up, little gas on the pedal. Oh, reverse, back up behind the crosswalk. Watch the yellow light turn green. No, it's not my turn yet. Or you're in the left lane, and the guy in front at the last minute decides he's going to turn his direction on and turn left, and there's two lanes. I should have gotten over here. Now I'm stuck behind this guy turning left. Yes? And then they don't even have the decency to creep out in the middle of the intersection for you. (laughs) And if you want to turn left and they don't do that, what are you saying? Pull up, pull up, pull up. Get at least, I don't know how I'm telling this. I'm, I'm, in, I'm actually doing a service for the entire community today. If you're trying to turn left and you can't, get in the middle of the intersection, please. So that us poor suckers behind you have a half a chance to get through on the green light. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking today. You know how, you know how I know waiting is good? You ever seen anybody run a red light? Cheryl and I did. How many months ago was that? About three months ago, maybe. We had the kids. We had Davina and Liberty in the back seat. We were coming to church, weren't we? Yeah, we were t- exactly like I said. We were moving the dog. <laughs> anyway, so <clears throat> they were in the back, and the, the car come up behind us on Route 29 past the airport. We were headed down towards that horrible intersection of Route 29 and Veterans Parkway. And the guy comes whizzing by us at the airport. I think he was high as a kite. And him and his buddy, they weren't paying attention. They were all over there. They were probably going 80 miles an hour. And they blew through that stop sign and they caught the back left corner panel of a a Ford F-150, spun that thing around. The truck tumbles, goes, doesn't tumble, but it rolled uh, all the way down the ditch. This guy spins out. There's, you know, just broken glass everywhere. It was horrible. Yeah, Davina says, call the police. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, 
Sometimes it's, it's important to wait. Sometimes to save your life, to stop, slow down, wait a second. Now's not the time to go. But when the light turns green, when God says now's the time, so you can do the right thing in the wrong time. What would have happened if when the children of Israel got there and then they said, okay, let's go do this. Joshua said, no, 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 wait three days, then we'll go. What would have happened if they would have gone early? I don't know, maybe total disaster. I tweeted out earlier this week, this sentence, waiting time is never wasted time if you're waiting on the Lord. If you're waiting on the Lord, waiting time is never wasted time. Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait on the, on the Lord shall what? Okay, they that wait on the Lord shall? Most of us finish it in the natural, like they that wait upon the Lord get really agitated, get really irritated, and then jump ahead and do something anyway. Because in American culture, activity is productivity, when in fact, activity isn't necessarily productivity. I remember a time vividly, I think it was Hannah came to my office and I'm sitting there. She says, what are you doing? I said, I'm working. She said, no, you're not doing anything. You're sitting in your chair. I said, I'm working. I mean, I'm just sitting there thinking. Imagine a thought. (laughs) Prior to the industrial, I'm going to get it on a bunny trail. What time is it? Oh my. (laughs) Prior to the industrial revolution, thought was quite elevated thinkers were extolled. But now it's how much can you produce? How many widgets can you roll out? That's something. And I still deal with that. I feel really good when I go home at the end of the day and I go, look at the wall I painted, man. Look at that thing. Beautiful. Versus I just had a lot of thoughts today. You know? You chuckle. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Okay. Verse three, so Joshua giving orders to the people, uh, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, of course that represented the presence of the Lord and the priests carry that, of the Lord and the priests and the Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your position, follow it. Verse four, then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. Whenever the Bible repeats something over and over and over again, specifically in, in, a, in, a, in an individual chapter, the, the Holy Spirit's drawing your attention. The, the word and the ark, the phrase ark of the covenant is mentioned nine times in this story. This whole story is not about this and that and the other thing. It's about the presence of the Lord leading them. That's what this whole story is about. The presence of the Lord. Proverbs 69 says, in his heart a man has plans, but the Lord determines his steps. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. Never mind, God, I got this. I got this one. God says, no, I will counsel you. Verse 5, moving on in Joshua. Joshua told the people to do something during those three days. Consecrate yourself. For tomorrow the Lord will do an amazing thing amongst you. It means to set yourself apart to consecrate yourself. In the Old Testament, they would wash their clothes. They would do ceremonial things. They'd wash themselves. But consecration for us 
It's something a little different. Yes, we consecrated ourselves when we got saved, right? We gave our life to Jesus. I'm setting myself, I'm consecrating myself to the Lord. Then there's special times, maybe we, a time of fasting, a time of special prayer. I'm gonna consecrate myself to this particular thing. For Israel, they were about to cross the Jordan. For us, a solemn dedication to a special purpose. Yeah, consecration is something that God often has to work in us before he can do something for us. I'll say it again. When God says, you know, set yourself aside. There's something really important I need you to do here. You don't get to do it until you do what he told you to do, which is set yourself aside, prepare yourself for this, because this is really going to be cool. Because if you're not ready for that, how many of you know that could really mess you up? And so there's things that God teaches you in a time of consecration, which I might digress just a little bit here and go down a bunny trail called the last four years we've been in this building. I mean, we started in the KC Hall, but this is... This is the middle of the Jordan River because where we're headed, there was things that needed to be worked in you, things that needed to be worked in me, things that needed to be worked in the leadership of this church so that when we get there, we're ready. Consecration is God wants to do something in you now so he can do something for you then. That's what happens in churches. Well, in marriage, you get consecrated. You set yourself aside. Children are dedicated, consecrated to the Lord. You and me for work of the Lord. Verse six, Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of you to the people. So they look up and they went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel. And so you may know that I am with you. And as I was with Moses, tell the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go in and stand, underline this, and go in and stand in the river. Now, we learn later in the story that the river was on verse 15. We're not there, but take my word for it. It's at flood stage. So it's just not the Sangamon River, which is about the Jordan. It's the Sangamon River at flood stage. Have you ever been on the edge of a river at flood stage? Yeah, raging water, white water, overflowing banks. And God says, go stand in the river. But, 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 but what if I can't swim? Tough. I mean, in, what, what, I mean, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they're, they're just not walking in. They're carrying a chest of gold on their shoulders. So that's not a personal flotation device. I can't swim. You know, that water's cold. That water, whoa, 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 cold. What if I lose my footing? All those rocks in the bottom of the river. What if the water washes me away? Come on, God. That makes no sense. You ever said that to God? It's generally followed with this sentence. God, that makes no sense. I have a better idea. <laughs> what the heck? That sounds so foolish. God, I, I can't do it. I have a better idea. Let's try it this way. How about, okay, I get the whole river thing. That's cool. How about I just stand near the river? You know what that's called? Half-hearted. I learned a long time ago, never touch anything with half your heart. 
If you're going to go for it, you're going to go for it. There are no such things as half-hearted champions. Half-obedience, doing things halfway, half-truth. You know what the other half of a truth is, of a half-truth? A lie. That's no obedience at all. I know those are hard words or cutting words. They're not a, they're not a, oh, pastor, you're not making me feel warm and fuzzy. I should go to another church. I'm not here to make you feel warm and fuzzy. That's not my responsibility. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I'm here to remind us we have responsibility. To do what? To do what he asks us to do. Because God says there's not going to be a miracle. Not until you, that's the priest, that's you, I'm coming, off of the, I'm coming off of the horse that I'm preaching, riding through. I'm coming off the horse called the church at large. And now I'm coming down to you. And I'm saying, you're the priest of your home. You're the priest of your life. And God says, there's no miracle for you until you, till you put the presence of the Lord on your shoulders and you walk in the middle of something that might be a little dangerous. You want a miracle? Consecrate yourself, get the presence of the Lord, and go on in to that thing that's got you scared spitless. I, 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 hope, I hope you can understand that faith in action, and I want to make it categorical because it's my nature, but it's not categorical. So I'm going to say a lot of the time, the majority of the time, faith any faith, oh God, I need faith. Oh God, I want faith. God doesn't take you to a place of safety when you pray that prayer. He takes you to the edge of a Jordan. You've been praying for faith. There you go. Take my presence and walk on in. Can I just stand here? I just want to stand here. I have a better idea. I'll just get, I'm going to put my toe, my toe. I heard a sermon once many, many years ago about, about this, this scenario. And this preacher, it, it's, it's open for debate. It's a, it's a question from silence. But when did the water, and we'll get there maybe, when did the water actually stop? Because the water stopped. Once the priest got in, the water stopped and it heaped up down there. It actually stopped. The water stopped and they passed through on dry ground. I'm way ahead of myself. But the question is begged of this. You got two priests up there. You got two priests back here. They've got the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. Did the water stop when they stepped in the water? Or did the water stop when these guys in the back stepped in the water? It's a big difference if you're the guy in the front. Uh, 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 uh. Joshua, you sure? You sure? Keep walking. Same for us. Well, you might say, I don't have enough faith to step out. I thought long and hard on this. Miracles is belief, but it's also miracles with unbelief. All you have to do is act on the part of belief in you. If you, if, if you feel you have to be a, a candidate means there's 100% belief, then I don't think anything's gonna happen for any of us very often. Because there was a, the Roman centurion said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Said, God said, Jesus said, that's enough. We can go with that. You remember? Uh, the faith as small as a mustard seed takes a mirror. And right now, a mustard seed is all I have. It's a, it's a song on the radio right now. So all I have is a little mustard. God says, I can work with that. So jettison the unbelief 
Ignore it. Yes, your friend says, your mom says, your uncle says, your daddy says, everybody says you're going to drown. You put the presence of the Lord on your shoulder and you walk in the middle of that mess, you're going to drown. And a part of you might say, it just, I might just drown. Right? But, and Josh, I, you know, God bless Joshua. Josh was a general. And I think when Joshua stood before the people, we're going to cross the Jordan River. We're going to do it. You're going to do that. We're going to do that. It's going to be great. Then he goes back with his other generals and goes, boy, I sure hope God shows up. <laughs> right? Don't you think? I think. I think. Because Joshua was a man. Jesus was God in the flesh. I don't even, <laughs> I'm way far afield, but this is really important to me. I don't think, see, these clothes, I don't think sometimes you have a picture of Jesus with dirt under his fingernails. I think you only see Jesus with beautiful buffed fingernails. Do you ever see Jesus with dirt under his fingernails? I do. That's what I like about him. That's what I like about him. He had dirt under his fingernails. He had dirty feet. His clothes got dirty. Well, I can't believe that preacher stand up there in those dirty clothes and those paint clothes. This is ministry. I'll bring you more than a song. See, I'm a worship leader. At heart, that was my very first ministry before I ever preached the message. I led worship for years, four years, before I ever preached a sermon. That's what I did. I love worship. I love to stand in his presence and sing but I'll bring you more than a song. What's the, if, if worship is just a song to you, you got the whole thing wrong. Painting those walls down there this week, worship, worship, it's worship. I'll bring, if you mean I'll bring you more than a song, golly, Joshua is something else. So we're gonna do it, we're going in. At floodwaters, yeah. Yeah, if God wants to work a miracle in me, well, he can do it right here on dry ground. If God is who he says he, he can do it right here, well, that's true. God often asks us to do things that scare us, frighten us. Why? To build your faith, to make you stronger. You only get a muscle stronger when you use it. When you embrace a life of faith, I'm not saying you fear more, but you have a greater ability to see fear. When God says to you, go do this, or he says to me, go do that. And I'm like, ooh, boy, I'll step up to the edge of the river. And I'm like, ooh, that's gonna be, it's flood stage, God. Don't you know that's flood? He goes, yes, I knew that, Eric. Go ahead. I'm like, okay. And you do it, and, you, and then you come out the other side, you go, yeah. Not in a self pride. God, look what God did. You gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. Look what God did through me, right? But now you've built that muscle so that when God says, hey, go do this, you go, yeah, God, we got that. We got that. <laughs> Build your faith muscle. Step out. I mean, if you're just at jumping over a mud puddle, do it. But do it. Failure to engage in the almighty relationship, F-E-A-R, fear. Failure to engage in the almighty relationship. False evidence appearing real. Forgetting everything's all right. Those are all acronyms for fear. 
And I thought about the disciples. Man, they had more than enough opportunity to be in fear, didn't they? But there's so many examples. The one I first came to mind was the feeding of the 5,000 when God said, go do it. And they looked at each other like, we don't even have a sandwich for ourselves. And you've got the entire population of Chatham that wants food. But they did it. They stepped out and found a little boy who was willing to give. See, God's asking you that despite whatever unbelief you have, that you might mix it with a little belief and act on the faith part. Real question, by a raise of hand, how many want a miracle? Okay, great, put your hand down. Don't raise your hand for this question because it's different. (laughs) How many of you have to have a miracle? Oh. See, when there's a desperateness, God, if you don't come through with this, and this transparency for me in my life, oftentimes it has to do, maybe maybe with you, it has to do with reputation or I am somebody or look what I've, I'm gonna look foolish if this thing doesn't happen, Right? If, if the Jordan River swallows up the priests and the Ark of the Covenant gets swooshed away down the, down the river, I'm gonna look pretty darn stupid if this thing I put my hand, whatever that is in your life, right? So you have to say, you know what? It's not my plan. You have to surrender the plan because that was God who told you to do that, right? See, this is where we often miss it because if you go off half-cocked and it's your half-baked idea, then in the middle of it, you go, oh, 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 God, it was God's fault. It was God's fault. God says, I never told you to do that. This is why you got to know that you know that you know God said, go do it so that when the wheels get a little wobbly in the middle of the river, you go, okay, I know I'm supposed to be here. And even if it all falls apart and you know that you know God told you to be there, you still stand strong and say, listen, I did what God told me to do. I just did what I told me to do. You know why? Because you getting to the other side is not the victory in God's eyes. You being obedient is the victory in God's eyes because God could do, God could have lifted all of Israel up and just set them over the river just like he could have. But what he needed was their obedience through the process. So it's not, victory is not the end. Victory is the process. This is, if obedience is the victory, that means every, <laughs> just a quick, just a quick mind readjustment. It's like going to the spiritual chiropractor this morning. When you go and you go and you, and you go, oh, I had a, how was last year? Oh man, I had three victories. I got that done. I got that done. I got that done. It was a great year. Well, then you're saying that the end is the victory. If however, obedience in the process is the victory. Did you have a good year last year? Every night I laid my head on the pillow was a victory because I put my head on that pillow at night and I said, thank you God for seeing me through. I just did what you told me to do today. Then, Then you can have 365 victories every year. See the power in that? So God said, go. And they said, ah, it's flooded. The water's dirty. The water's cold. The water's raging. The water's dangerous. That's crazy, Lord. The Lord said, just do it. Verse 11, we finish up right here. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord and all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes, one from every tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord and all the earth set foot in the Jordan, the water's flowing downstream, cut off, and they'll be in a heap up there, up, up river. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead. 
Now the Jordan was at flood stage, I told you, during that harvest time. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. Verse 17, the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel passed through until the whole nation had completed crossing. A miracle. But they had to wait three days to get there. Well, it's not three days for us. It's about three weeks before we come out on the dry side. It must have been a miracle for them. It's going to be a miracle for us, but what about you? Where are you at personally in a journey, right? Because the church is us. Ah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the voice of the Lord. Well, I've got his presence and I'm headed to the Jordan. Pastor, I'm in the middle of the Jordan and the water is at my chin, Even if he doesn't deliver you, God is still God. That is a place of faith that should rock you to your core because that calls for simple obedience. God told me, God told me I need to do that. That means hearing his voice, stepping out in faith. Final analogy, and I'm gonna let you go home because I want you to get this into your spirit. God brings, and I'll just use one of these, I guess. God brings something. Think of this as a much larger stone. Think of it as a big, big rock. He brings a thing to you that requires great faith. And what happens is you'll drop it or you will readjust yourself. Think of a big stone, you know, powerlifter guy. You'll readjust yourself until you find a new place of equilibrium, Right? This is how your trials are. This is how those things that God brings to you. I want you to see the difficulties in your life, not as things you gotta get rid of as soon as possible, but to say, okay, I know it's not popular to say, suck it up, buttercup, right? I know, but there are things you will have to carry in life. There are burdens that if you look at them the right Count it all joy whenever you fall in diverse trials of many different, James, anybody read James? Count it all joy when you have these new weights to carry because it's gonna develop something in you. You're gonna find a new place of equal, yeah, you may not be able to run with the young bucks anymore, but you got something. You got a gravitas in the spirit realm that should there be an inkling of wisdom in a younger generation, they go, tell me how to carry that. Tell me how to carry that when I wake up and my spouse is dead in the bed next to me. Tell me how to carry that. When my baby dies in my womb, tell me how to carry that. These are the things that we have to carry in life sometimes. You can't get rid of it. You just have to say, I am going to carry this and I'm gonna carry it with grace. I'm gonna carry it with dignity and God will see me through and in the end, he will get the glory. Wow, you know what that's called? The gospel, ladies and gentlemen. It's not jelly beans and chocolate bars. It's crossing Jordan rivers with burdens and boulders and the presence of the Lord on your life. I want you to succeed more than you want to succeed, but I can't do it for you. And God God wants you to succeed more than you want to succeed. You can do it. 
Lay aside the complaining, lay aside the murmuring. Say, you know what? This is my lot in life. If God so wills it, he can change it. He can change it. God, how do I carry this burden? I filed bankruptcy three times. God, how do I take care of this? My kids are all whacked out on drugs. God, it's, I don't know how. He says, just trust me. Just find a new place of, find your new center of gravity. Okay, there you are. Okay, let's go. I got you. You're not gonna fall. You will not fall. You will not fall. For a righteous man stumbles, but he is picked up seven times. Meaning, infinitely, God will come and steady you. Even Moses needed his arms held up. It's not that I'm telling you, you can't ask for help and you can't look for help and we can't help you. But I'll tell you what, we can't do it for you. You got to say to yourself, you know what? It's just time I get this thing in my life figured out or, or what, and find my new level of, I love you all. I love you too, babe. Thanks for doing the journey with me. She turns 60. Can you believe that? 60. It's her birthday. It's her birthday coming up. I can't tell you how proud I am of you guys. Some of the junk. See, this is why we're not on TV, right? <laughs> right now, we're not on streaming. Because the key, camera people, this is how I want to do every week. But no, but stand under the lights, Pastor. No, I know. I know. God's got you. I know. I know, I know, I know, I know what you're going through. I know so many of your stories. God's got you. You found that new place. It's, it's firm. It's firm. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it's firm. Oh, God's got me. And you just keep walking. You just keep walking. Though I pass through the waters, I will not be drowned. Tough. Some things are tough. Life really sucks sometimes. I know it does. Your parents this, your mom that, your kids that, your job that. Just, okay, God, if you, if you in your infinite wisdom think I can bear this, I'm not going to set it down. I'll carry it with dignity. That maybe somebody, a future, a generation behind you goes, David, how did you do that with all those kids? How did you quit your job and go for that like that? How did you do that? How did you bear up under all of that? Tell me the wisdom. And you know what you're going to say? I just hung with God. Just grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar. I just kept walking. Kept walking. Kept moving. That's how we have three ladies and gentlemen. I wish it was as easy as sprinkling a little magic fairy dust. That's warrior talk is what that is. That's like war paint talk. Not just little soldiers in plastic uniform. I'm talking about black ops dropping out of the belly of a Black Hawk helicopter. <laughs> Upside down with like so many weapons on you. Take that, devil. Take that. I ain't scared. I ain't scared of you. But when they go back to their tent and those guys are sitting, 
boy, yeah, he would. That was something. But when you're out there, it's warrior, man. Got this. You got this. That's been shaky up to this point, but all of that has just developed perseverance in you. Okay, I hear the screams from the next room. (laughs) It's time for us to wrap up, so why don't you stand up with me, would you? Hallelujah. Whoo, thank you, Lord, amen? All right, everyone, are you gonna stop by that paint table on the way out? So Father, we lift our hearts to you today, we lift our hands to you, and we say thank you. I'll bring you more than a song. I will bring you a life dedicated Carrying the weights, carrying the burdens, carrying the challenges. I'll bear them. I'll embrace them. I'll actually lean into them, knowing that you'll see me through the river. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand to heaven and say, God, I need you to give me some strength in this moment I'm in right now. Father, you see us in our frailty. You see us being fragile and you see us being vulnerable. God, we are nothing without you. So we ask that your spirit would strengthen us, speak to us, lead us in our marriages, in our homes, in our family, in our health, in our finance. Lead us through, God. We trust you. Maybe you've never trusted God with your life. Maybe today's the day you raise your hand and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my life back to God. I'm, I'm gonna try this thing again or maybe for the first time. Then you raise your hand. Here we are, God. We, we need you. This country needs you. We need you. Lead us in paths that please you. And we'll, we'll stumble. We may even trip, but you promise to pick us up. So, Father, we dedicate our lives to you and ask that your spirit would help us to serve you honorably. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast. We look forward over the next couple weeks moving to our new church facilities. So if you don't see a podcast for a couple weeks, that is because we are in the middle of a move. We look forward to resuming all of our recordings uh, in March, our first Sunday, and our grand opening at our new building is March 6th at 10 a.m. All the information can be found at destiny217.org. Well, thanks for joining us here on the Destiny Church 217 podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.